You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. I invite you now to open your Bibles to the prophecies of Micah. And we'll read Micah 3, verse 1 through 4, verse 5. The Scripture reading is chosen in connection with the third commandment. You shall not take the name of Yahweh your God in vain, or you shall not misuse His name. Then I said, listen, you leaders of Jacob, you rulers of the house of Israel, should you not know justice, you who hate good and love evil, who tear the skin from my people and the flesh from their bones, who eat my people's flesh, strip off their skin and break their bones in pieces, who chop them up like meat for the pan, like flesh for the pot, then they will cry out to the Lord, but He will not answer them. At that time, He will hide His face from them because of the evil they have done. This is what the Lord says. As for the prophets who lead My people astray, if one feeds them, they proclaim peace. If he does not, they prepare to wage war against him. Therefore, night will come over you without visions and darkness without divination. The sun will set for the prophets and the day will go dark for them. The seers will be ashamed and the diviners disgraced. They will all cover their faces because there is no answer from God. But as for me, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression to Israel his sin. Hear this, you leaders of the house of Jacob, you rulers of the house of Israel, who despise justice and distort all that is right, who build Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem with wickedness. Her leaders judge for a bribe, her priests teach for a price, and her prophets tell fortunes for money. Yet they lean upon the Lord and say, Is not the Lord among us? No disaster will come upon us. Therefore, because of you, Zion will be plowed like a field. Jerusalem will become a heap of rubble. The temple hill a mound overgrown with thickets. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains. It will be raised above the hills and the peoples will stream to it. Many nations will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us His ways so that we may walk in His paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between many peoples and will settle disputes for nations far and wide. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Every man will sit under his own vine and under his own fig tree, and no one will make them afraid, for the Lord Almighty has spoken. All the nations may walk in the name of their gods. We will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. The Word of God is proclaimed this afternoon as the church has summarized it and we confess it in Lord's Day 36 of our Hatterberg Catechism. 
What is required in the third commandment? We are not to blaspheme or to abuse the name of God by cursing, perjury, or unnecessary oaths, nor to share in such horrible sins by being silent bystanders. Rather, we must use the holy name of God only with fear and reverence so that we may rightly confess Him, call upon Him, and praise Him in all our words and works. Is the blaspheming of God's name by swearing and cursing such a grievous sin that God is angry also with those who do not prevent and forbid it as much as they can? Certainly, for no sin is greater or provokes God's wrath more than the blaspheming of His name. That is why He commanded it to be punished with death. Brothers and sisters, in our Lord Jesus Christ, if you were to make a billboard and put God's name on it and say some things about Him. There's two possible outcomes or two possible things you could be doing. You could be honoring God and saying great things about Him or you could be putting His reputation down in the dust, defaming God or misusing His name, destroying His reputation. Now, on my way here this afternoon, the corner of 200th and the bypass... It's a spot where I often see someone with a Rob's Furniture billboard. Today it was Ming and Sing Chinese restaurants. No advertisement to go there today, of course. But the marketing of everything in our society is so huge that we need moving signs to catch our attention. These people are obviously trying to promote the reputation of their businesses and their the restaurants to sell more. Misusing God's name then would be like holding up a billboard that says false things about God. A billboard that suggests that God cannot be trusted and that God is not important at all. It would be a misuse of the billboard and a misuse of His name. But you could also use His name in the right way and that would be like holding up a placard which praises God for everything you know about Him. Well, what does your name mean to you? If you want to sort of let this sink in. What does your name mean to you? What would you do if people were holding up a sign that had your name on it and said, X is a terrible person, not to be trusted, rob me of money or whatever. And it's false. I'm sure you would ask them to stop. And many people would would take someone like that to court for spreading lies. That's called suing for defamation. People do that for their own name quite readily, and yet they defame God. Well, the fact is that our lives are a walking billboard. They just are. And we have to realize that God's name is not just about what we pray and say, but also about what we do. Especially because we are Christians, we take the name of God with us wherever we go. It's one of the reasons I put a fish in the back of my car so that I would drive more uh, normally. Now, you can either honor this God by what you say and do, or you can dishonor Him. And the commandment literally says in Hebrew, not to lift up your, the name of the Lord your God to emptiness or to vanity. 
means to use His name with no good intentions or good purposes, to treat God's name like it has no power, no value, and it's just not important. It's like saying, well, here's God's name. This is what it is. But it doesn't weigh anything. It's as light as a feather. You can toss it around as you wish or toss it into the trash. His name holds no more value than a paper airplane. And it really doesn't matter how you treat it, for there will never be any consequences one way or the other. Well, you know that's not true, but that's what it's like to misuse His name. The Lord says in the third commandment that He will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses His name. No one. And so His name is supposed to be a serious matter for us. No one should misuse it. No one should apply it to other gods. No one should treat it lightly. So we'll take our theme this afternoon to explain this from Micah chapter 4, verse 5. All the nations may walk in the name of their gods, but we will walk in the name of Yahweh our God forever and ever. So the theme then, the exhortation, let us walk in the name of Yahweh our God, for then we will walk with Him forever. Let's walk in the name of Yahweh our God. And we'll first see walking in the power of His name. We should do that. It's a powerful name. Not to be lightly treated. Secondly, in the wonder of His name, this name represents who God is and He's a God of grace and that's an amazing wonder. Amazing grace. And then in the third place, let us walk in the peace of His name. He gives His people peace and a future. So first of all, walking in the power of God's name. We can make use of our Scripture reading this afternoon. Micah was a prophet of the Lord who warned the people of Judah about their sins He was a prophet from a small village in Judah called Moresheth Gath. And he was not afraid to speak in the name of the Lord. And in chapter 3, he particularly singles out the leaders. They hate what is evil, or they hate what is good, and they love what is evil. They break down the very people whom the Lord has called them to lead. So we read that they tear the skin from my people and the flesh from their bones, and they chop them up like meat for the pan, like flesh for the pot. And even the prophets who claimed to speak in the name of the Lord were false because they prophesied good if you fed them, if you paid them well, and they prophesied evil if you didn't. So their message depended on their salary. And they would use their influence against you so as to increase their salary. This was a gross misuse of God's name. And the Lord had come to sue them for defamation. He threatened them with darkness. They claimed to have light visions of God. And He says, I'll leave you in the dark. And Micah mentions seers and diviners. God will not answer them, He declares. They might try to manipulate God for their own advantage, but God would not allow it. And you can understand this if you think of the many cultures which have had a witch doctor or a shaman, a medicine man. Sometimes all that medicine man needs is someone's name and he can use it in evil curses to bring harm to that person. And people believe that. Seers and diviners often treated the names of the gods this way. Just like the demons pronounced Christ's name to try and gain power over Him. Now anyone who wants to do this with the name of the Lord will be counted very guilty. 
you cannot manipulate God in any way, least of all by misusing His name. Trying to do so is a heinous evil. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. In the name of God, we would say in English today, we would express it this way, Yahweh. To make it close to what the Hebrew would have sounded like. Some Bibles turn it into Jehovah. It's actually a mistake. It's a little mix-up in the Hebrew. Yahweh or Jahweh or Jahweh would be the closest pronunciation. Yahweh is the God who revealed Himself as I am who I am. So He says to Moses, uh, Yihya, Asher Yihya. The Yihya is the sound in Hebrew just like Yahweh uh, from the verb to be. And that's how God explained His name to Moses at the burning bush. Now you remember that event. Moses saw a bush. It was on fire. But it was still a bush. It didn't become ashes. And it was a symbol of the presence of this God, Yahweh. Moses had to take off his shoes because the ground was holy due to the presence of the Lord, Yahweh. So if we're going to walk with the Lord, we're walking with one who is holy. We're sinful, but He is holy. Yahweh is His covenant name. And what that means is that this is the name He used in relation to His people, the people of Israel. He chose them to be His own and He made a covenant with them or you would say a special friendship. So when they wanted to know His name, Moses was to say, I am who I am. Doesn't sound like a name. Or I will be who I will be. That doesn't sound like a name. But as I gave you the sounds of the Hebrew, the I am sounds very much like Yahweh. And the words are meant to teach that Yahweh is faithful and does not change. He just is. And He's always the same. He won't be different. And this is the God who spoke to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And He didn't stop existing after that. He just is all the time. And He'll be the God who He has revealed Himself to be whom they already know from their patriarchal history. So if people want to misuse His name, that won't affect Him. He will be who He will be. No one can make Him any less God or any more God than He is. He'll always be faithful. Now that also means that I'd be faithful to His warning that anyone who misuses His name will be held very guilty. He will not change, but He will destroy those who misuse His name. So that's a there's a power standing behind this name. And the call on us is, let's walk in the power of His name. Not against the power of His name, because we're just like phantoms. We're gone in a moment. We're only here for such a short time. So we need to walk in the power of His name so that His power doesn't come against us for our light treatment of who He is. In Israel, the Lord commanded that when someone blasphemed His name, they were to be put to death. And this should make us think very carefully about the holy name of God. Words matter. Words matter. Some people think that saying "Jeez" is okay. But really, it's just a short form of Jesus. And people use it when they're mad or surprised. 
The same with, oh my God. 99% of the time that's used as an expression of surprise, fear, or exclamation. Thus far, I can recall just one time when I heard it used genuinely when our family was helping out someone who had suffered a car collision in the midst of a terrible snowstorm and they were hurt. And they were actually calling out to God. And all the other times I've heard it, that would be well beyond 99 times. It was without proper recognition of the holiness of God. And it's rather ironic that people who don't worship God use His name all day long. For they do it to claim the utmost attention to what they're saying by grabbing on to the most awesome being that is. And in a twisted way, then they recognize that God is the most awesome being. Micah ter- uh, prophesied terrible judgment on Israel because they were not respecting and honoring the name of Yahweh their God. So 3 verse 12, particularly because of the leaders. Because of you, Zion will be plowed like a field. Jerusalem will become a heap of rubble. The temple hill a mound overgrown with thickets. That's a prophecy of the exile which indeed came true. So even as we hear others misuse the name of our God, we should take care that we're not bringing judgment on ourselves and that they are on themselves. Of course, God can stand up for Himself and God will. Let there be no doubt. But when you stand up for Him, then you prove that you are with Him. You're walking with Him. You say, look, that God you just mentioned, I walk with Him every day. You've offended Him by what you're saying. I'm concerned that you don't know what it means to walk with Him. Can I help you use His name in a better way? Well, you might not say all those things. One of our neighbors was saying, oh my God, a a number of times while we were helping her do some work, and I said, you keep on praying. Do you need some... Help with that. I can tell you more about prayer. And of course, she said, oh, sorry. Quite often, people will refrain from taking God's name in vain out of respect for you, but oh, if only they would do it out of respect for the Lord and really know Him. That would be wonderful to know the power of the name of God. Well, brothers and sisters, we won't stop here because the name of God also also reveals mercy. He's a gracious God abounding in faithfulness and steadfast love. And that's why Micah could also prophesy chapter 4, which is, is really a turn and it's a prophecy of wonderful things. So let's see this under the second point. Let us walk in the wonder of the name of Yahweh our God, for then we'll walk with Him forever. So in chapter 4, Micah speaks of a day when all the nations would come to Jerusalem to worship the God of Israel. And they, they would even say to each other in verse 2, Come! And they'd exhort each other, Come, let's go. Let's go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. So, they're going to go up to the temple where God is worshipped. And He'll teach us teach us His ways so that we may walk in His paths. Now that is a scene of wonder. The Israelites themselves should be amazed when they hear a prophecy like that. All the nations coming to our God? 
It's the complete opposite of things in Micah's time. No good teaching was found in Israel. Israel had nothing to give the nations because they themselves were not even walking in the ways of the Lord. And the believers among God's covenant people would despair and they would say, oh, Micah, how long shall this disaster carry on? When will that day come? Will there really be such peace? When? Oh, when? But their God, He is. He is. He was and is and is to come. And He he heard their cries. And so Micah had hope held out for them. Chapter 5, all the nations may walk in the name of their gods. We will walk in the name of Yahweh our God forever and ever. That's what God's people would say in response to His Word. It's an expression of faith from God's people who want to be faithful even while the rest of Israel is turning away by maintaining that they would walk in the name of Yahweh, they would persevere to the end. And since it would take many years till Yahweh's name would be honored by all the nations, those who served Him in the meantime would be overwhelmed with despair a thousand times over. The days would come when the other nations would come and destroy Jerusalem. They'd overrun it, pull down the temple and burn it. And the nations would boast in the names of their false gods. And the Lord Yahweh would seem to be powerless. And yet His people had to walk by faith. They they couldn't walk by sight and see that God was the most recognized God with the richest priesthood and so on and so forth. No, they had to walk by faith. That's the only way that they could walk with Him forever. They had to walk in the wonder of His name and His grace. There's obviously a contrast in Micah 4, verse 5 between the nations and the believers. The nations would walk in the name of their gods and they would do so for a time and then they would die and maybe they'd replace them with other gods, take over a different nation's gods. But God's people said, we will walk in the name of Yahweh our God forever and ever because He is forever and ever. He doesn't change. And He's a wonderful God. When this God came to speak to a man and his wife about having a special baby who would deliver Israel, they asked, what is your name? And he said, why do you ask my name seeing it is wonderful? Wonderful. And it was Isaiah, a contemporary of Micah, who prophesied of the child to come whose name would be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, and so on. And he would be the Wonderful One, a marvel, an amazing one, a miracle, who would take the throne of David his father, ruling in justice and peace, and his rule would administer the overflowing grace of God. The wonder of the name of Yahweh is his grace. He passed before Moses proclaiming, Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. That's how the Lord wants to be known. He's also God of justice. That's why He has to forgive. He he can't just um, ignore the sin. It, It has to be dealt with in some way. It needs to be forgiven. He's a God of grace who associates His name with compassion, grace, slowness to anger, love, faithfulness, forgiveness. 
He is wonderful. Not your God. He's wonderful. And He is. He's the same. As He said He was then, He is today. And you should know that even better, brothers and sisters, because in Christ Jesus, the name of God has been perfectly upheld and perfectly portrayed for all the nations to see. The love and grace that are in Jesus Christ prove to us the meaning of God's wonderful name. You see here in Micah chapter uh, 5, 4 and 5, where we find peace promised to rebels. The very nation who is rebelling against the Lord is promised a future of peace. That's not possible unless God intervenes in some miraculous way, in some wonderful way. Well, our Lord Jesus Christ did. He made peace between God and rebels. His life was laid down for ours so that we could enjoy the beauty of the name of Yahweh forever. So if the wonder of the name of the Lord is to be proclaimed, then you must you must hear this, you must ponder this, you must meditate on this, brothers and sisters. If you have sinned against the name of the Lord, your God, who called you out of slavery to sin and Satan, then there's hope. And actually, you have sinned against the holy name of God. You have, and, and I have, and we all have. And we're not going to make that up ourselves, but by the very name of Yahweh, that name that you're not to misuse, you find the, this wonder, this marvel, this grace, this unexpected sharing of forgiveness. And so the wonder of the name of Yahweh is so rich. Let our lives then be a consistent testimony to the faithfulness of the name of God by our ongoing repentance, our ongoing conversion, our coming back to God time and again and saying we love Your name, we honor Your name, forgive us for our lack of zeal, for Your marvelous and powerful name. So the wonder of God's name, brothers and sisters, is His amazing grace. And He's so often promised to the church the most glorious and wonderful future, even though we are sinful, and it's all by grace. So let us walk in the wonderful name of Yahweh our God. Let us walk in grace. And then we'll walk with Him forever. And that brings us to the last point. Let us walk in the peace of the name of Yahweh our God. Already today, the Father has given to Jesus the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Not everyone is bowing the knee at this time. But in time to come, all will. Some because they want to and have done so all their lives. Others because they must when they see His awesome majesty. And then will come the time of peace when nation will not take up sword against nation. A unity that um, 
will make the superficial unity of the nations at the Olympics that we just saw seem really meaningless. There will be this peace among nations. They won't train for war anymore. They won't have standing armies. And the time of peace is described as every man sitting under his own fig tree. Nice Old Testament expression. And that's the messianic kingdom when God's people have no fear from outside and no fears from within their own hearts that will be peace. We have a taste of that peace today, brothers and sisters, in the church of Christ. Where we find members from one nation and another sitting side by side and worshiping the name of the Lord God together. There's a peace between nations in the church. And even today, also by God's grace in this particular church, there are signs of this peace as various cultures come together. And, and God teaches us by saying that this is what's coming in the future, that our present, the present condition of the church should include all the cultures together in it. And we should worship the Lord together if we hold to a common language. And we don't need to all be of one cultural group. It's the blessing of peace, of having peace with one another because it's so deeply rooted in the name of Jesus Christ. If we taste that in the church today, brothers and sisters, we're tasting something that we'll be able to not just taste but fully enjoy in the future with God. So there's going to be a continuity from what we have now to what we will have in the future. Jesus has purchased men from every tribe and nation and language and people for God with His precious blood. So let us already today walk in the peace of His name here in the church. Let's embrace each other. Let's embrace various cultures. Let's find out about brothers and sisters who come from a different background than we do and join us in the same church. Let's be interested in them and rejoice because we have that deep bond that we serve the same God who has revealed Himself in Jesus Christ. And that's rightly confessing His name. Not our own, but His. So all the nations may walk in the name of their gods, they can start the flame for the Olympics in the name of Apollo and so on. And they can serve the gods of athletic ability and they can serve the gods of wealth and luxury. They can serve the gods of pleasure. But these gods will change. They will diminish and strengthen and diminish and strengthen. And in the end, they will be wiped out. Let us instead walk in the name of Yahweh our God who is and was and is to come, who is forever, who is faithful, who does not change, whose name has power over every other name, every other being, whose name has the wonder of grace revealed to rebellious sinners so that we might be reconciled with Him, and whose name is peace with God and each other. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.